A reading from the book of Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say that out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make it with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by pardoning me with my hardships. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even the Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epiroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send, your greet, send you greetings. All the saints sent you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to worship with you today, to wrap up our series on the book of Philippians. Philippians. You know, I just want to share, as we were singing that hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, I had a picture of a young Paul, a very young Paul, who had just come home from Wheaton College, freshman year. This is not part of my sermon, but just part of the story here today. Um, And I had encountered Jesus in a fresh way. And Wheaton, I was worshiping with over 90 different nations represented at Wheaton uh, at my time there. And I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I remember coming home to visit my family at First Pres of Lake Wales. And mind you, you didn't go to First Pres without a suit on. You just didn't do that. You definitely did not raise your hand in worship. So to my knowledge, I was the first to raise my hand as a young buck in worship to what song? That song. And wouldn't you know it, my mom, she saw me raise my hand. She, she just went straight up. Georgiana went straight up with me. I don't know if she's still doing it, but it's such a good memory how those hymns stick with you and form you, right? And unite us in the gospel. So with that intro, let me share a brief word of prayer and uh, we'll dive into Philippians 4. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Well, let me begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever witnessed a serious misunderstanding? Have you ever witnessed a serious misunderstanding? About two weeks ago, my wife almost killed me with a stapler. <laughs> About two weeks ago, one fellowship, she almost killed me with a stapler. Here's how it all went down. It was a Monday morning. I was working on my sermon in our living room. Our kids had already gone to school and the house was quiet. I was reading some commentaries, sipping some hot, fresh coffee. And out of nowhere, I heard, I put down my coffee, I looked around and I waited to hear the noise again. Sure enough, 10 seconds or so later, I hear, that's when I froze, I dropped everything. I thought to myself, what in the world? Pulled out my earbuds, stilled my body, and I focused, trying to pinpoint the noise. I waited several more seconds. At that point, I jumped up, and I ran or turned, if you will, and looked at the staircase. I'd heard the noise directly above me coming from the staircase, and thank God I didn't run up the staircase because there on our landing at the top of the staircase was my wife dressed in business attire, crouched down like a rabid tiger with a stapler about to whack me. It's true. Just ask her after the service. Carla was standing at the top of our stairs that morning with this crazy look in her eyes. I was like, what is happening? And she was ready to put me in the dirt with a stapler. <laughs> Thankfully, my life was spared that morning. Here's the deal. Turns out she thought I'd already left for work behind the kids as they went to school. And so when she heard weird noises like sipping and rustling of papers and a computer, she grabbed the most menacing items she could find on her second floor, <laughs> a stapler. And then she slowly made her way down the stairs, ready to attack. The only problem is, remember? She failed to take off her business high heels as she walked down our wooden staircase. So thankfully, my life was spared. Listen, I'm, I'm not sure a stapler is a good weapon to face an intruder with, nor are heels the thing you want to attack wearing, right? So yes, my wife almost killed me two weeks ago with a stapler. It was a big misunderstanding, big misunderstanding. Allow me to ask you again, have you ever witnessed a serious misunderstanding? Be it in life, love, maybe even in your faith journey. Have you ever witnessed that? I asked this question this morning because I believe in our passage today, we see the single most misunderstood verse in the entire Bible. Philippians 4.13. I believe Philippians 4.13 is the single most misunderstood verse in the entire Bible. So today we'll be looking at why this verse was actually originally written, offering a correction, if you will. Furthermore, we'll see how the Apostle Paul ended this letter to the church he, he just loved. The church in Philippi, the first church in all of Europe. So with that being said, Let's turn to our big idea. The big idea we'll see today from Philippians 4, verses 8 on is this. Friends, secure in Christ, genuine faith always leaves a model and it always leaves a mark. 
Genuine faith always leaves a model, always leaves a mark when we're secure in Christ. And we're going to unpack this through three points. Point one, genuine faith always leaves a model. Point two, genuine faith always leaves a mark. And point three, genuine faith flows from security in Christ. So let's dive in. Point one, genuine faith always leaves a model. Starting with verse eight, we read, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you, we read. A few years ago, a pastor, a friend of mine, shared the following story. There are many moments as a father that I feel so inadequate and ignorant. I still wake up every day and try to be the best dad I can be. It's hard to get into the minds of children and wonder what is being heard or understood. However, God did reveal to me a special moment to share. As I went from, excuse me, as I went for my every other day run recently, I kissed my kids, told them I loved them. It's become a routine for me to tell them that every time I come or go because I don't know what the future holds. I want them to say that I love them in word and deed in their lives. And while making my first lap when running, I also have another routine of waving at the window, waving at the window just in case they're watching. And generally, they aren't. But it was different this time around. I heard my sweet, encouraging little boy, along with our super dog, cheering me on through the screen at the window. Every lap met an encouraging interaction with my son. After a few laps, he wanted to join me for the run or workout, as he likes to call it. I had a decision to make that day, focus on doing the workout or have a special moment with my son. Fortunately, I recognized the opportunity, this special moment, as I probably missed others, he writes, and I asked my son to join me. The time per mile didn't matter. The time with my mini-me meant everything. I just love that. The time per mile didn't matter. The time with my mini-me meant everything. My friend went on, I will continue to strive to be the best father my son observes me to be. Hopefully he'll be an even better one than I could ever hope to be. I'm totally okay with that. Beautiful story. One fellowship in the words of the late French theologian Albert Schweitzer, example is not the main thing in influencing others, it's the only thing. Example is not the main thing in influence others, influencing others, it's the only thing. And this father, this friend of mine, understood the power of his example, the model of his life, his love, his commitment to his son. Now turning to our passage the Apostle Paul understood this as well. Paul understood the power of modeling the faith to the people he loved. Today's passage begins with a list, right? A list of virtues. Dwell on whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, Paul writes. Think about that which is excellent and praiseworthy, we read. And this might seem great for some of us, but for others of us, especially if we grew up in strict homes with lots of rules, this might seem like a list of rules, right? Have you ever read scripture like that? Great, we think to ourselves. We're called to be holy do-gooders, 
and live square lives. I know I can be tempted to read a list like that, um, like this that way. Well, here's the deal. If we look at this list that way, and we don't look at it in the context of this passage in the book, we'll miss Paul's point entirely. How so? Well, everything Paul says to believers here and elsewhere is in the context of relationship. Relationship. By which he calls us to deeper joy with Jesus and one another. In other words, Jack, it's like Paul is a father saying, run with me, work out with me, trust me, experience the Lord's joy with me. Such is why Paul then writes, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. You see, our faith is all about relationship, one fellowship. Life on life, God with us, us with one another, one generation to the next. To this end, genuine faith always leaves a model, whether we intend to or not. Genuine faith is always leaving a model. Hope you see that as we open up God's word this morning. It's such a treasure and such a gift when we receive a wonderful model to follow. Now, before moving to point two, a couple implications I just want to point out from uh, point one here. First, Paul's message makes clear that we're not to do faith alone. That might be obvious to some, but maybe not so obvious to others. Maybe you're used to doing life alone. Well, our faith is not to be meant uh, to li be lived alone. No, in the Bible, faith is meant to be lived and experienced in the context of relationship, in the context of community. Here at One Fellowship, such is why, and Drew mentioned this, such is why we place such emphasis on life groups, study groups, and mission groups. Life is meant to be shared in Christ on Sundays and beyond Sundays. Thus, if you don't have a group in which you belong yet here at One Fellowship, I encourage you to get involved. It's the wonderful plan that God has for you and me. Second, the second implication we see here in point one is this. Our faith is not meant to die with us. It's not meant to die with us. Even, listen, even if you're single and have no family, you're not married, etc., no kids, and even if you've lost touch with your actual biological family, your faith is still meant to be passed on. As a spiritual family, we're always meant to model and pass on our faith from one generation to the next. Bill, just in a flash, I remember the conversation, this isn't in my sermon, but for whatever reason, you decided to go to the students' camp one summer. And my son, Blaze, said you led him to Christ, where his faith became his own. Thank you. You see, as a spiritual family, we're always meant to model and pass on our faith from one generation to the next. Beyond our passage, if you don't believe me, just take five minutes and read Deuteronomy chapter six today. It'll blow your mind. Again, this presupposes presence, which means you and I are called to be present in a multi-generational gospel community. Point one, genuine faith uh, always leaves a model. Point two, genuine faith always leaves a mark. The passage continues, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. And dropping down to verse 14, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. 
And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. And then dropping down to verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but uh, I think this part of Philippians is so cool. I think it's so great. Genuine faith always leaves a mark both inside and outside the church. Inside and outside the church. Inside. Uh, let's look at that first. Uh, Paul uses a specific word here to talk about uh, what this looks like to have faith and leave a mark inside the church. It's koinonia. Koinonia. We've looked at this word before, koinonia. But for those who are new, it's a Greek word uh, that means partnership, partnership. It's also the word by which uh, we get the word fellowship. Thus one fellowship. Well, this word, when used in the Bible, is meant to embody a celebratory and robust commitment to the gospel together. Thus, when Paul says in our passage, you did well by Quinonia partnering with me, Philippians, he's a spiritual dad and he's just glowing with gratitude. He's so thankful. You guys supported me. You encouraged me. You guys stayed committed to me throughout the years, he basically tells him. And I don't know if you caught this, but this jumps out to me. He says to them, you were the ones, the only ones who continued to support me time and time and time again. You can almost sense Paul's tears here, or at least I can. Why? Because leadership's lonely. Any of you who've been in leadership and been in leadership during a hard time, leadership is lonely, isn't it? And yet look at what Paul says. He tells the Philippians that he's been encouraged and afforded the opportunity to advance the gospel year over year because of their ongoing prayers and generosity. You see this little church plant in Philippi left a big mark in the kingdom of God and in Paul's life. The point being, whoever you are, wherever you are, and whatever you can bring to the table can make a significant impact in the church family. It can leave a mark. Moreover, your faith can make a significant impact outside the church family. I don't know if you caught how our passage ends. Paul writes, all the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong in Caesar's household. Did you catch that? In Caesar's household. Guys, pulling back and looking at the context, Paul was in Roman confinement. He was in prison. So how in the world could he write such a statement? The believers in at Caesar's household, here's, here's how he could write that statement. The power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Paul said uh, to the Philippians in chapter one to begin his letter, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually uh, advanced the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Do you remember that? Well, apparently he wasn't joking. Like his witness led to conversions in the most powerful house in the world at that time. It's nuts. We're not told whether the people that converted were servants or cooks or maids or soldiers, but we just read that they're sending greetings through Paul, the prisoner, to the church in Philippi. It's nuts. 
The point being, there's not a single person or place in life that can stop, muzzle, or destroy our witness in Jesus. There's not. There's not a single uh, person or place in life that can stop, muzzle, or destroy our witness in Jesus. No matter where you find yourself today, that is true in your life. God can not only strengthen your faith, he can advance it, no matter what you're facing right now. And that's what we see here in Philippians 4. Sure, we might not like our circumstances, right? We might not like our circumstances. We might not be able to even see the immediate impact of our words or actions. But what does Paul say to us in Romans 8? And we know that in all things, not some things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So here's a test. Let's bring this into our context. Here's a test for us. Think back to your own faith journeys and those who've impacted your life. Did their words come when times were great or when times were tough? Was it something they said or an affection they shared? Was it a random encounter or was it a programmatized encounter or perhaps a divine encounter? And how about this? Do you think they even know, like literally stop right here and think of one person or two people that have impacted your faith journey. Do you even think they know the significance of their investment in you right now? Years later, perhaps? Decades later? You see, genuine faith always, always, always leaves a mark, both inside and outside the church. Don't discount that. This leads us to point three. Genuine faith flows from security in Christ. Verses 11 through 13 read, I don't say this out of need. For I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself. I know how to do, make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret, the secret of being content. Jelena, you want to know the secret? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me, we read. I recently came across... Uh, an old story about contentment. It goes something like this. A woman wondered to herself why her neighbor's grass is always greener than her grass. Why is her grass always greener? And she wasn't wondering this figuratively. She was literally wondering why is the grass always greener over there? So she took it upon herself to walk across. Make sure you have good neighbors if you, if you do this, okay? She, she left her yard, went to her neighbor's yard. She looked back at her yard and lo and behold, her grass was greener. And she was... Uh, dumbfounded. It baffled her. So curious, uh, she then wrote a, a leading newspaper columnist wondering about this phenomenon, to which the columnist replied with these words, the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because you're not close enough to see the dirt. I just love that. The grass looks greener on the other side of the fence because you're not close enough to see the dirt. 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 Outside of blaze, not many of us like dirt, do we? <laughs> Yet what do we see in our passage? The Apostle Paul says he's found contentment, not in the highs and lows, not what he does or does not have, but in Jesus, in Jesus alone. That's Paul's secret. Evan, he says, don't miss it. Honeybee, don't miss it. Even if it means sitting in a prison cell and seeing the dirt. Contentment is found not in who we have or what we have, but in who has us, Jesus.
Jesus. Jesus. And it's here in the context of this reflection that Paul penned Philippians 4.13. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, we can face all things, endure all things, and find peace amidst all things because of Jesus. As the message puts it, whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Isn't that beautiful? Whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. So no, friends, Philippians 4.13 is not an excuse to beat our chests, scream some rally cry, go do some zany, crazy thing that makes no sense in your life, like going and buying a bunch of lotto tickets after the service and avoiding pain at all costs. That's not what Philippians 4.13 is saying at all. What it's saying is this, we have assurance. We have assurance that no matter what we face, we can endure because Jesus is Lord of all. He is our strength and our shield, even in the toughest of times. We can stand and look at the dirt, excuse me, at the dirt. So point three, genuine faith flows from security in Christ. So where do we go from here? Let's land this plane. Where do we go from here, uh, from Philippians 4 and in this book? Well, I have three applications to consider. First is this, embrace the model paradigm. Embrace the model paradigm. Whoever you are and wherever you are in life, if you're a follower of Jesus, know you're part of the family. You're part of the family. You're called to a bigger story, a bigger community. You matter. Accordingly, know you're called to not only grow in the faith, you're called to model the faith. And this presupposes presence in Sundays and beyond. So I pray that you could find a place to belong with us. Embrace the model paradigm. I shared at the 9 a.m. service, this is not age specific. It's not. In my office, I have a frame that a little girl named Maddie Maxwell made for me a couple years ago that shows me leading the doxology. Maddie's a junior in high school now. She probably gave it to me when she was a freshman. Maddie's leaving her mark. So embrace the model paradigm. Second, leave your mark. Excuse me, Maddie's modeling uh, what it means to follow Jesus. Second, leave your mark. Inside our church, don't just attend, serve. Don't just come here, but find a place to serve. Join our connections team. That's the easiest on-ramp, by the way. If you want to serve with us, join the connections team. But join the connections team, production team, kids team, students team, in-service team, or events team. Furthermore, don't just receive, but invest in the gospel with us. Don't just receive, but invest. Give to the mission of God, your time, talent, and treasure, and be intentional. Be conversational around the dinner table with your family members and make a plan and let's do it together. And third, live in security in Christ. Whatever situation you're facing or will face, trust that Jesus is sovereign. Don't be consumed by greener grass, but learn to live in the dirt. That's how Jesus came. That's how Paul found contentment. And that's where God often even places us for greater purposes. 
We see that here with the life of Paul. We see it in Joseph's life. We see it in David's life. Learn to live in the dirt knowing Jesus is Lord even over your circumstance right here, right now, whatever you will face. So again, secure in Christ, genuine faith always leaves a model and always leaves a mark. It always leaves a model and it always leaves a mark. So one fellowship, let's do this. Today and in the years to come, let's leave a model and a mark. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who've gone before us, like the Apostle Paul. Thank you for this book of Philippians. It's both a challenge and an invitation. And so God, we do, we invite you to strip back the things that don't matter so we can actually be secure in that which does matter, our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. God, I pray just for an outpouring of your spirit in every single person here today. Change us and may we impact the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.